Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Are you ready to let God rock your world? Yes. Some of you are. It's 2015. It's actually fine. It's February. We've made it to February 2015. And two weeks ago, we started talking about this, of letting God rock our world. And we saw that the first thing we need to do if, if, if we want God to rock our world is to put Jesus first. The Bible says in all things he may have the preeminence. We need to put him first and figure out what that means in practical ways every day as we make decisions. Put Jesus first. And, and then last week we talked about learning to live by faith. It's in, the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. And so if we're going to live lives that are pleasing to God, we must learn to live by faith. And as we do, then we will discover that he is, he is real, just as the Bible says. And we'll experience that in, in bigger ways, greater ways, new ways. And we will experience uh, the rewards and blessings of diligently seeking him. And that leads us to the third thing that we need to consider. And as I said in the beginning, these three things aren't necessarily the only things, but these three things really, really important. And we find the third thing uh, in the book of Isaiah. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 6. It's page 789 in the Bible that's in the pew there. So if you don't have your own Bible, we encourage you to take the Bible there and follow along. Turn to page 789. And so much of what we were singing about today when we're singing about seeing God and his holiness and his awesomeness and his power and, and trembling before him and closing our eyes before him, all those things, we, this is Isaiah. So we begin here in Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Okay, so Isaiah is a prophet. There's this, Israel has its kings, and the king Uzziah, who, who had been ruling, has died. That year marked this event in Isaiah's life. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Okay, so he has a vision of God. Uh, uh, God gave him this vision of seeing him. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up in the train of his robe, filled the temple, the train, that part of the robe which, you know, flows down behind someone. And he said it just filled the temple. And this, I believe this, this robe is the, 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 the glory of God. And above it stood seraphim, these angelic beings. Each one had six wings. With, with two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with, with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. That's quite a vision, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine being in that situation, seeing this vision and, and this, these angelic beings and the cry of that, so much so that the place shakes? What if you, what if you looked up and, and these beams were beginning to shake? That would get your attention, wouldn't it? You'd say, something powerful is happening. Well, that's what happened to Isaiah. And then all of a sudden, the place fills up with smoke. Picture again of the glory of God. We see the same, same thing happening with Solomon when God filled the temple, the glory of God. And, and 
What happens to a person when all of a sudden they come face to face with who God really is and what he's really like? I like to call it the great uh uh-oh moment. And that's what Isaiah came to when he saw this holy, holy God and the power and everything went along with that. He says, "Uh uh-oh, verse five. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. I am falling apart here because I am a man of unclean lips. Now, you got to understand in this, this is a symbolic stuff. This is a a vision. Uh, There's a poetic element to this. And when he talks about unclean lips, what he's really talking about is his heart. Because you remember what Jesus said about what comes out of our mouths? He said, what comes out of your mouth ultimately is what's going on in your heart. And so when Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips, what he's saying is my heart is not right. I am not holy. I see this holy God. I am not holy. I am in trouble here. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I am in trouble. And by the way, this is the, the, the place that every one of us are at. We, from the moment we are conceived and then to, through birth we are born with this nature that is independent from God and does its own thing. Uh, we take care of number one, and we put ourselves before God. And we are unholy. And if we die in that condition, we will find ourselves terrified in the presence of God. And rightfully so, because we will be condemned and separated from him forever in a place called hell. Thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Let's continue. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. It's wiped away. It is gone. It has been atoned for. And just as surely as there was this big uh uh-oh moment when Isaiah realized he was in trouble, now he sees that God has made provision for his sin problem. Isaiah couldn't fix it. (laughs) Nothing he could do. But we get the idea here of God purifying him. Nothing Isaiah did, just God coming and working and purifying him. And he says, your iniquity, your, your sinfulness I've put aside and your sins that you've committed, I have atoned for it. I have made you right with me. Now, for uh, this is before the cross. And so this is symbolic of what God is going to do. For us, when Jesus died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, that's how he took care of our sins. And when we, we receive him as Savior, you know, by faith we trust him, what he did for us, that's when he wipes away our sins. But this is what Isaiah experienced, Okay picture of these things. So God has addressed his failures and his shortcomings. How do you think Isaiah feels? You think Isaiah is grateful? You guys there? How grateful would you be to find yourself staying in the presence of God and thinking, I am, I am lost and doomed, and then God says, no, no, I've saved you. Grateful. 
eternally grateful. It's the way we ought to be, shouldn't we, when Christ saves us. And then it says this, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, so he overhears this conversation. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. You know, it makes perfect sense that Isaiah would respond that way. Because Isaiah had seen himself the way he really was apart from God and knew how lost he was. And then Isaiah experienced the power of the gospel, right? That that God himself was going to provide a way for him to be forgiven and and receive life. And he was overwhelmed by that and grateful. And now God says, "Who, who are we going to send because there's all sorts of other people need to know this message. We've got to get the message out. We got the, the people need to know us and know what we want to do for them. We, they need to know who are we going to send. It just makes sense that Isaiah would say what? Send me. You did this for me. Send me. I'll tell them. Let me. I'll tell them. It makes perfect sense that he would do this. Logical. You know, it makes perfect sense that we would do the same thing too. If you've received Christ as Savior, I mean, you were totally lost. You had no hope. But when you received Christ as Savior, He moved in, He forgave every sin, He gave you life and changed your life now and eternity you'll be with Christ forever. And you didn't deserve it and you couldn't earn it, but God did it for you. And and if you think about it, you gotta be so grateful and then God says, well, who are we gonna send? Well, it makes all the sense in the world that we would say what? That's right. Send me. I'm here. I am. God, send me. So God has called us. God has called us to take His message to the world, and so when God calls us and and we answer that call, God will rock our world. He'll rock your world when you answer that call. And so you say, okay, God, here am I, send me. And, and then that whole God turning everything upside down begins. And all of a sudden you go, well, well wait a minute, what have I done here? <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't know about this. I, I'm not good at talking to people. I, I'm kind of fearful in these things. I, I, I know myself. I know that, that you know, I, I, I'm going to fail. And I know that what's going to happen down the line, I'm not going to feel like doing this. and all, all this kind of stuff. But then you stop and think about it and say, but well, wait a minute. Based on what he's done for me in my life, and I couldn't have done it for myself, and, and, and the need is there. Other people need to know it. I, yeah, I feel all these ways, but there's, there's no other right answer. God has called. And there's no other right answer but to say, here am I. Send me. I'll go. Well, so maybe you stop and think, you know, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was Isaiah. Maybe he hasn't really called me. <laughs> you know, maybe I get a little ahead of the game here. God hasn't called me. Well, let's just take a, a little bit of a look at the scriptures and see what it says. Okay? In each of the Gospels, we find something about this. In fact, multiple things, but these are very clear. We talk about these things at the Great Commission. So let's look at it up there. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus says, uh, 
that go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. He's talking to his followers. Go, tell them. Get the message out there. Help them to become my followers. Okay, in the Gospel of Mark, very simple and straightforward. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I don't think he means the mice and the squirrels. He's talking about every rational human being. Okay, now uh, let me just deal with this right up front here. When the Bible talks about preaching the gospel, you might go, oh, good, that's what Walt's doing up there. And that's included. But the word, there's, there's two really big words that are used to talk about this. And one is a word that means to, to proclaim the gospel. And the other means to share the good news. And every one of us is called to do both. Every time you consciously, or anybody, every time somebody consciously, purposefully tries to communicate the gospel, they are preaching that's what the word means, okay? So anytime that you have tried to consciously share the gospel with someone or talk to somebody about their relationship with God, you are preaching, okay? So it's for all of us. It includes more formal public preaching and includes you preaching to somebody else. And, and that word preaching sometimes has a negative connotation, but we're, all we're really talking about is you are telling somebody what God says about this. And we're to do that for everybody in the world. And then in Luke, he says it like this. He talks about the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you, you're witnesses of these things. Well, you weren't there in that day, but are you a witness of these things? Has Jesus changed your life? Have you received him as a savior? And as, you're witnesses to these things, okay? And then we get into the book of John and Jesus says it like this. He says, as the father has sent me, I also send you. I came into the world that you might know me and know my father, know the truth, be able to respond, that you might have forgiveness of sins and life in my name. That's why I came and I'm sending you into the world to do the same thing. And then the book of Acts, when it says it, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. And he says, starting right where you live and all around the world. Well, maybe those are the official statements, right? Those are the big overarching statements that Jesus gave, okay? But you know, maybe it still isn't just me and you. It's, you know, that's the church, right? Oh, good. The church is supposed to do that. Well, let's, under, let, let's look and see how the people who heard Jesus say it, the people who walked with Jesus and who heard it and who were with the people uh, that were with him, how did they understand this? Well, let's look in the book of Acts, okay? And so uh, they, they say, they've been told, stop. You can't keep telling people about Jesus. You've got to stop. And they said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We have to share these things. We have to talk about it. And then they got together and prayed because they were to be told they couldn't witness. And they prayed to God and said, grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And they went out and spoke the word. And, and God worked powerfully. And we get over to chapter 6 and it says the word of God spread and the disciples multiplied greatly. People coming to Christ. And, and, then, and then those who were scattered, because persecution continues and gets bigger, and those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching 
the word. In case you're wondering, this is not the apostles. They stayed in Jerusalem. This is the you and me's of the New Testament. And that word preaching there is the word that means to share the good news. They went and shared the good news everywhere they went. What did they understand it to mean? That God has what? Called us to carry his message to the world. And we have to answer that call. All right? So continues here through the book of Acts. Uh, they, it says, Now those who were scattered after the persecution traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the Lord Jesus. Again, that's the word that means sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. And so we see them going out and spreading the word, and, and more and more people coming. And we actually end up with a church here in Antioch. Let's go to uh, the next slide here. It says, as they ministered, this is in Antioch, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. And so they've been sharing the good news everywhere they've gone. People have been getting saved. Now people have been growing. We now have a church. And then the Holy Spirit tells this church, I want you to send out these two as missionaries. But you see how they're all involved in getting the message out? They're actively involved in getting the message out. So that's, it's not about, here's, can you just get this in your head today? It's not somebody else's job. Okay, you need to, to let that one sink into you today, saying to yourself, it's not someone else's job. It's my job. So let's go to the next slide here. Uh, we see, um, let's just tell you, Aquila and Priscilla, a husband and wife team. And they show up off and on through uh, the New Testament. And, and they are actively involved in trying to reach people for Christ. And look how they did it here. Apollos had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And I didn't have room on the slide, but he, he, hadn't, he hadn't heard the whole message. Okay? He was still kind of stuck in the Old Testament part of this. But he loved God. And so when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And the result was he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Aquila and Priscilla used their household and bring people in and help them to become more effective at reaching people for Christ. Can you see this? In other words, they're, they're actively thinking, what can we do to make a difference here that people can be reached? They aren't the ones that were the eloquent speakers. They aren't described that way. They're the ones that are described as being available, ready, and willing, and they helped this guy who went out and just did great things. Well, Paul says this in his letters. Actually, one letter, Romans chapter 16. I'm sorry. Real quick, this is what Paul says, how he describes his ministry. You know from the first day that I came, how I taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So everywhere Paul went, what was he doing? He was sharing the good news of Christ, somehow, some way. All right, then in his letter, he says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Can I ask you a challenging question right now? Are you okay if I ask you a challenging question? 
Do you ever struggle with being ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Well, I don't think so, but do you ever find yourself going, eh, I don't, uh, if I say that, right? We ought not be ashamed of it because it is the power of God that's gonna bring people to Christ. And over in chapter 10, he says this, it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how did you come to Christ? How many of you would say that um, I came to Christ because somebody talked to me about it? Now, you may have actually got saved in a service, but somebody talked to you about it in a fight, whatever. How many of you would say, yes, somebody talked to me? Yeah. Would you be saved today if nobody had talked to you about it? How will they be saved unless someone tells them? Are you convinced yet by the scripture? Every Christian, every Christian is called by God to be actively involved in sharing the message of Christ. And there is no other right answer except Isaiah's. Here am I. Send me. And so answer the call. Answer the call and God will rock your world. Well, how is it that he will rock your world? How's that going to happen? Well, what I want to share with you to begin with is the hard side of this whole thing. There is a hard side to this assignment, to this call. For Isaiah, the hard side was this. We, we didn't keep reading, but if we kept reading, God told Isaiah, oh, yes, okay, so you're accepting the call. Great. By the way, they're not going to listen to you. By the way, they aren't even interested in what you have to say. By the way, they're going to actively oppose you and try to persecute you, okay? But I called you, so go do it. There's a hard side to this. Now, for you and I, thankfully, the Bible doesn't tell us that. It tells us there may be some people, but the idea is we have hope and reason to know that when we share the gospel, some people are going to get saved. But so how is it, as we think about this hard side that God is going to rock our world, but it, it, it starts with the hard side. And the first way is this. When you answer the call and say, okay, I'm going to start being this faithful witness, you're putting a much bigger target on your back. Because I guarantee you that when the enemy takes note at some point that, wait a minute, you're sharing the gospel and some people are going to get saved, and maybe a lot of people are going to get saved because of what you're doing. You put a target on your back. And you're going to have to become much more serious about the spiritual battle you're in. Okay? Everything else starts to become important at that point. The next thing that's going to happen is you say, I'm going to do this. You're going to find yourself in way over your head. You like being in way over your head? You're going to find yourself saying, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond in this situation. I don't know how to deal with this that's going on. I am in over my head. I don't know how to keep up with all the things that I feel like I need to be doing. I'm in over my head. The third, third way God is going to rock your world in this hard side is he's going to force you to change your priorities. 
going to force you to. Because you're going to say, if I'm going to be this witness for Christ, then things that are so important to me now, I need to let go of those things. You know, whether it's these, I got to have this, this house or this car or this vacation or this activity, this event, this whatever. And you start to say, wow, I, I need to make some other choices here. You'd be forced to change your priorities, which is going to change how you live. And then the, the, the last thing, the way God's going to rock your world, this hard side, is that there will inevitably be some people along the line who are going to get angry with you. Angry to the point of rejecting you personally. And possibly some of them even to the point of persecuting you. Because you're being a witness. They want to hear it. Shouldn't surprise us. Jesus said, hey, if they hated me and my message, they're going to hate you when you try to tell them my message. Some people will. That's going to happen. And you're probably saying about right now, say, okay, now, Walt, now, Walt, wait a minute. Are you trying to encourage me to witness today or not? Bigger target on my back, in over my head, forced to change my priorities. People can get angry. Okay, well, so why would I do this? Why would I do that? Well, first of all, you do it because it's about putting Jesus first. He's the one who called you. Got to put him first. The second reason is because you need to learn to live by faith. And this will stretch your faith. And you'll please God with your life. And the third reason is this. It's because when you decide to answer this call, you put yourself in a place to experience the abundant, exciting, life-changing blessings of God in your life. Because think about this. When when you find yourself uh, with a bigger target on your back, do you know how faithful God is? Do you know how powerful God is? If, if, if you get a bigger target on your back because you're doing what God says, you are going to discover real quickly that greater is he who's in you than he is in the world. God will come through and will protect you. And, and when you say, well, I'm going to be in over my head. What an awesome place to be as a Christian. Because now you're going to experience God at work in your life. Let me tell you, this is... A, over the years, I've had opportunity and, and to talk to a lot of people about Christ. And there have been times when I've been sitting, and it's not necessarily always when it's connected with the church. Sometimes it's just me out there, and I'm talking with someone. And I've been sitting there, and I try to explain the gospel, and there's back and forth, and then they start talking, and I kid you not, I'm sitting there going, God, I don't have a clue about what to say to this person now. I don't. Okay. And they talk, and they finish talking, and I go, and there's something there to say. God's real. He's alive. He's at work. And so it puts you in a place to experience that. And we say your your priorities are going to have to change, right? They're going to be forced to change. You know what you're going to discover? Once you let those priorities get changed, and you keep living by those new priorities, you're going to discover... You know what? I have a lot less regrets than I used to have. 
My life is different now in ways that are good, and I didn't even understand it back there. When your priorities change to line up with God's priorities, things get better in your life. Not necessarily easier, but they get better. And finally, this idea of people being angry with you or persecuting you. God, when you say, I gotta answer this call, God is going to set you free from being controlled by other people. He will grow you in this way. Where he starts to say, what he thinks matters more to you than these other people. God becomes a whole lot bigger and those other people become a lot smaller. And he sets you free from that. A lot of you here today, whether you realize it or not, struggle with being controlled by what other people think of you. You get serious about answering this call, God will set you free from that. Now, it gets even better than that. Because here's what's going to happen. As we work together to reach people for Christ, you and I, we get together, we're talking, we're praying, we're doing something. Maybe it's a special outreach. Maybe we're just encouraging each other. Maybe it's a big thing we're doing at the church. All of a sudden, you become closer to your Christian family. Because you're serving God together with them. Then, guess what? There are people who are going to get saved. You're going to get a new family. How many of you are here today? I don't know if there's very many, but how do you say that, yes, Walt, Walt, you were directly involved in me getting saved in some way? How many? All right, every one of you, you're my family. You know how exciting that is to come to church and see you? To see you, it's, it's, it means something to me. What a blessing. And then, if we get serious about this together, do you know how exciting it is to be a part of a church where people are getting saved? Lives are being changed. There's new Christians, and, and new Christians do these crazy things. And it's so exciting and encouraging. And, and then, then, there will be a standing before God someday. Stand before Jesus and him to look at you with pleasure on his face. Good job. Well done. Come and enjoy the joy of your Lord. So you need to answer the call. Let God rock your world in these ways. He will. So, so what can you do today? What can you do today about this? Well, first this. You need to listen and hear the call of God. Can you hear it? God is calling you, isn't he? And in four very quick things here that you can do. Start praying every day about sharing the message. Start praying about it. Say, God, I, this hasn't been on my mind much and it needs to be on my mind. Would you help me to think about this today? God, uh, you know, bring opportunities my way, but whatever. But God, please do something about this in my life today. I want to, to answer this call. Just pray every day about that. And secondly, uh, start preparing every day. And, and so that's when you think, start, well, let me think about my day. Who am I going to see today? Who am I running into? Where am I going? What am I doing? Maybe I need to do something a little different here. Whatever. But start preparing yourself. Start learning verses, uh, finding verses in the Bible, writing them down or memorizing them or whatever. Uh, start reading different things about how can I witness about this or answer this question. Uh, watch videos to uh, choose to take advantage of courses that we offer here from time to time. Start preparing. Every day, do something to prepare yourself. 
And the third thing, start putting put reminders in place. Start putting reminders in place. Now, I don't know what that would be for you. Maybe it's a refrigerator magnet. Put a refrigerator magnet up that says something about being a witness for Christ. Uh, put something on the dashboard of your car. Put a painting on your wall. Uh, put something on your phone. Uh, send yourself an email. Uh, something. Right? To remind you. Because, you know, you're going to get busy and you're going to forget something that you're going to bump into and say, oh, yeah, I need to be doing this. And then start putting money aside that you're going to use for outreach. Either maybe some tools that you want to pick up and buy that you can use for outreach or, or money that you're going to give to missions fund so that we can send the gospel around the world. But just start thinking about that and making some choices related to that. One less coffee a week. Something. Start doing something. Start doing something every day. Become a faithful witness. And when you do that, God will rock your world. He will rock your world as you put Jesus first. And as you learn to live by faith. And when you answer the call. And you say, here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Father, thank you that that you sent people to us and that we heard the gospel and were saved because of it. I pray, Father, that we will unmistakably hear the call and respond and, and do what you've told us to do. That you turn our world upside down because of it, Father, in, in a good way. Be honored in us, Father. I pray that uh, by February 1st next year, Lord, there will be people in our congregation saved because we answered your call today. And we look forward to that. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we end, I can just hear you imagine this, you know, the hands going up. Excuse me, excuse me, teacher. Excuse me. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, okay. Here's the question. Can you tell me, again, why is it that I want my world rocked? My life's kind of nice right now. My life's pretty comfortable. I got most of it figured out. And you're telling me I want to have this whole thing rocked? Well, next week, we're going to talk about that. Why you want God to rock your world. Okay? And you do. You really do. All right. Thank you.